Cues. Real kids, real questions. Hi everyone and welcome back to Kids Cues. I'm Kate. And I'm Dylan. And in today's podcast we're talking about the everyday heroes who keep us safe all over the world. They're often called the first responders. Emergency service workers including police, paramedics, fire and rescue. Emergency, police, fire, ambulance. Think about any crisis, crime, natural disaster. These are often the first people on the scene. And while they tend to shy away from being called heroes, you can see why many little kids dream of wearing an emergency uniform. Well, today we're going to speak with someone who's an absolute trailblazer. An officer for 34 years, she rose to become one of the most senior police in Western Australia. She was the first woman ever selected to join what's known as the Major Incident Squad. They're the police who attend most of the serious crimes. And now she's gone on to become the head of St John Ambulance and its thousands of workers and volunteers, making her the first woman to lead the organisation in its 125-year history. Michelle Fife, thank you so much for joining us on Kids Cues. You are welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. We're so glad you can join us because you have decades of experience in policing and now in the ambulance. How would you describe the core responsibilities of an emergency worker? They're all very different, but they have one thing in common, and that is they bring calm to chaos. So whatever difficult situation you are facing, someone from the emergency services is going to come along and help you, whether that be a fire or a health emergency or someone's broken into your house. They come along and bring calm to the chaos that you've got in your life. We've got some questions for you today from Georgiana Malloy Anglican School, starting with Ewan. What qualities do you need to be a good emergency worker? So there's lots of qualities that I think make good emergency workers. But if I had to think about the main ones, I'd have to say that you have to be decisive. So you have to be able to make decisions and you have to be able to make those decisions under pressure. You have to have a calm kind of demeanour. So you can't get you know too excited by what's going on around you. And you have to be able to focus your attention. And the other thing is you can't be reactive to the distress of others because Sometimes people in distress can be rude or difficult with the emergency service worker that turns up. And it's nothing other than the fact that they're in a really difficult situation. And so you have to recognise that you're part of what for most people is the worst day of their lives. And you're there to try and make it better, not worse. So you can't react when people have a go at you. There's a couple of other things. One is attention to detail. That's an absolute must because details count in emergency situations and the other thing is you have to be fit and that's not just physically that's not just being able to you know jump over fences or climb buildings or whatever there's part of that the other part of it is that you have to be emotionally fit and intellectually fit because you have to be able to take into into account lots of different detail and lots of different emotions so you've got to be fit in those other areas of your life as well. I guess patience as well can be a big factor when it comes to certain qualities. And patience in every occupation is always a good thing. But in emergency services work, you're absolutely right. It is a necessity. We often talk about bravery with emergency service workers. Would you say you need to be brave? You know, I have paramedics that go and deal 
with patients who are dying every day and their bravery and stepping into that situation, taking care of someone, sometimes being the last person they might talk to before their lives come to an end, that's really brave as well. So it's not just going out there and doing that stuff like you see in the movies. So there's different types of bravery and I think every emergency service worker displays a type of bravery. And at times you do face really difficult scenarios and Ashton would like to know uh, more about that. Is life as an emergency worker stressful? What is it like to deal with high pressure situations? Well, Ashton and everybody else, the simple answer is yes, it is stressful, but not all the time. Sometimes it's really boring. Sometimes you are just sitting around waiting for things to happen, waiting for the call to come through. You talk about patience, you've got to develop some patience there. When you think about stress over many, many years, so I've been an emergency services worker for yeah, 36 years, so a long, long time. And I have seen the best and the worst of mankind out there. And it's not like TV because it's messy um, and it's not very nice sometimes. So dealing with those high-pressure situations can be really tiring. So if you're in that real emergency situation, adrenaline is rushing through your system and that keeps you going while you're in the middle of it but after it's all over and you sit down and you take a breath it's like all of the energy has left your body and if you do that all the time it can take its toll on you which is why I said earlier on you have to be really fit to be able to cope with that really high stressful um, high pressure situation but you also have to be really patient and you know when the boring times happen and be able to sit around and wait. I mean, the other thing about being an emergency services worker that no one tells you is there's lots and lots of paperwork. And that's stressful in a different way and boring in a way as well. So there's lots of paperwork you have to do. I always wanted to be a firefighter because they don't get as called as often as (laughs) other emergency (laughs) service workers. So that way you get to sit down and watch a movie and you get paid to do so. <laughs> so that was like... I don't my, think it works like that. Yes, but that was my dream job. And then then I found out we needed to do paperwork. There's I, always paperwork. I actually read a quote today which was really interesting and I think it applies to this. It was, in life there's really bad and really good and in between it is the boring stuff, and you just have to push through before you reach the good. So I guess the boring stuff is kind of like all the paperwork. Yes, and that's a really good way of thinking about it. You know, there's really good and there's really bad, and in between there's really boring. Well, I think one of those high-pressure situations might be driving an ambulance or a police car, especially when it's a life-or-death emergency. What's it like being behind the wheel and how much training goes into that part of the job? I'd be wrong if I didn't say it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool driving fast with lights and sirens and those sorts of things. So you talk about, you know, the adrenaline pumping through your system when you're doing that. But it's also scary. And in most cases, it's pretty dangerous. And sometimes it's the most dangerous thing you as a police officer or a paramedic or a fireman, it's the most dangerous thing you're ever going to do. 
because it's quite hair-raising out there on the road. It's not just about your driving and where you're going. It's about everybody else that's around you. And sometimes you don't know what those other drivers are doing. So here's my little plug to all you guys when you go and get your driver's licences. You have to make sure that you pay attention because sometimes drivers don't or they have their radio up too loud and they can't hear our sirens. So they don't see or hear us coming. And that can be a little bit scary. But there's lots of training that goes into teaching you how to drive that way. So when I went through the police academy, I did about a week's worth of training out there on the roads. And then later in my career, I did training to teach me how to do pursuits, you know, like um, police chases and and those sorts of things. And that was two weeks worth of training. And all I did all day, every day was be out there driving lights and sirens and practicing and knowing what I had to do. You know, my paramedics, part of St. John Ambulance, they do that sort of driving every day, sometimes, you know, up to 10 times a day. So it's pretty cool, but it's a bit scary too. Yeah, I can't imagine what it would be like, all that stress on you when maybe you're on a freeway or even someone's not giving way to you and those could be just the few seconds between life and death. We try and educate other drivers out there on the road that, you know, if it's an ambulance that's coming down the road and they've got lights and sirens on, that means that it's a true emergency situation. And if that was my mum or one of my kids or one of my grandkids, then I want you to get out of the way so they can get there quicker. And I think we all have to remember that when we're driving on our roads. Other high-pressure things uh, we see on the news, such as massive protests that might turn violent, must mean police and paramedics are always on high alert. You're always, not on edge, that's the wrong word, but you are always alert. And the one thing that you will find, particularly from police officers, but also anyone working in the emergency services, is they spend an awful lot of time looking around. So they spend a lot of time looking at what's going on. So you get that situational awareness and particularly things like large protests or difficult situations. You can kind of feel the vibe or the tempo change and, you know, that that and and you sort of to prepare yourself for something going wrong. And so, yeah, you're always on alert. And it's one of those things that never leaves you, even when you're off duty. And, you know, I haven't been a police officer now for, for two years, but. It's still the same. When I'm out, I'm always, um, I suppose, very observant and and keeping an eye on what's going on around me because you just never know when when a situation's going to change. Yeah, police officers um, are like that all the time. Paramedics are very much like that when they're walking into a situation where someone's unwell because if anyone's done their first aid, the first thing you have to think about doing first aid is D for danger. And it's the same for paramedics. They have to look around for danger so that they are aware of what's going on while they're treating the person in front of them. So always alert. I was just wondering, how has COVID changed things for emergency workers if anything's changed at all? They had to go into every situation thinking, well, this patient might have coronavirus. So that meant extra precaution, extra protective clothing, masks, all of those sorts of things. But I think we've all learnt out of that. Walking into that unknown situation that you mentioned before must be pretty scary, especially with the coronavirus around. Yeah, I suppose to relate it back to students, you could almost say it's 
like you've studied for a test, you're prepared, but you don't know exactly what the test has in it. Oh, absolutely. And But, you know, it's kind of like that for them every day. They've studied anatomy and they're really highly trained health professionals and all those sorts of things. And they've done all this study and every day they get a call to go to something and it's sort of like, well, I studied all this stuff, but I don't know what this exam's going to be, you know? So you're walking yeah. into a situation where you yeah. have to draw on all of that knowledge to deliver the best outcome for the person in front of you. And coronavirus was just an extra thing on top of that. Ella has a question whether these kinds of professions take a toll. Does being an emergency worker affect your personal life? How much personal reward or job satisfaction do you get from being an emergency worker? And that's a fabulous question. I couldn't tell you how much satisfaction I've got out of my career, really. I don't know that I can put it into words because I've been an emergency services worker since I was 19 and that was a very, very long time ago. So it's part of who I am. I suppose if we talk about personal reward or job satisfaction, I would say I know that in all of the years that I've been doing this, that in a small way, I have made the world or my community a better place. I have been there to help people who need it most. And there are very, very few things in life and very, very few jobs in life that are as satisfying as knowing that you made that positive difference to someone's life. Yeah, that's great. And I suppose the career has a lot of ups and downs, but as you said, it's very rewarding. Now, we mentioned in the intro that you have broken new ground in your careers in police and ambulance, which Sasha is keen to hear more about. Being the first female CEO of St. John Ambulance, how do you feel you have made a positive impact on gender equality in your organisation? Well, so I like to think that I've made a positive impact both in this organisation and in my previous career. Uh, And ambulance is a bit different to police and fire because, interestingly, 50% of all the paramedics out there on the road are women, which is fabulous. But the bosses in ambulance services are not 50% female. So I hope seeing me as the CEO sends a message out there that, Gender is no barrier and we actually need more women in charge of emergency services. We need more women in charge all around, I think. One of the things that having me as the CEO, it's like a role model, you know, for young women and girls out there, if you can't see it, then you can't be it. But if you can see someone else that's done it, then you go, well, I can do that. If she can do that, then so can I. And if I've helped encourage or inspire just one young paramedic or young police officer or firefighter or or just anyone out there in the public to go after their dreams, then I'm pretty satisfied with that. It's terrific to see that women have roles and role models to look up to. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't do something. Put enough effort into it and follow your path and you can be whoever you want to be. That's fantastic advice. Thanks so much for your time on Kids Cues today and a massive shout out to all the paramedics at St John's and the volunteers who have taken such good care of the community. Yeah, we can't thank you guys enough for donating your Christmas holidays and your (laughs) Easters and your weekends so that uh, our community can be safe. Thanks so much. 
Oh, and thank you very much for talking to me today. It's been really good fun. And let me tell you that on behalf of all my paramedics and my ambulance volunteers and everyone out there, I can tell you they wouldn't want it any other way. And they absolutely love being out there looking after you guys and looking after the community. So thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks so much to the Year 5 Sixers at Georgiana Malloy Anglican School. And to all the schools who have sent in topics and questions since we've launched. You have been superstars. As this is our last episode for the season, we really want to thank all the amazing experts from all over the world who are very generous with their time and knowledge. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast as much as we have. And thanks also to our wonderful producers at The West Australian, Natalie Bongiolo and Melanie Bonolo. Kids Cues is available on all of your favourite podcast platforms so you can catch up on any episode that you've missed. And we look forward to returning for Season 2. Well, that's it from us. Until then, bye for now. Kids Cues, brought to you by the West Australian's Ed Magazine and 7 West Media Education.